I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Welcome to another edition of the Lost Words podcast. The Lost Words podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped are the best in the world in below-the-waist grooming. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0, all across Europe. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code LFW20 at manscaped.com. Chaps, Jason, Bradley, hello. Good evening. Good evening, mate. How are we all doing, Jason, first off? Yeah, all right. Yeah, good. All Brad, right. how are you? Very well, thank you. Good, good. That was all nice. Get all the pleasantries out of the way. <laughs> um, Jason, let's let you talk about Valderrama. It's obviously your favourite course. I'm guessing it one is. of your favourite events uh, in general. It is. Um, it is. And I think you were probably proven right on Sunday. I, I just think it's a magnificent course. I just think when you play, it, it's Fitzpatrick down to the tee, this course. And um, when you play as well as he did over the you know, last 36 holes, really, and still win the tournament by three at six under, that's that's the golf I want to see every week. It's not everybody's cup of tea, and I'm sure the players came off with a headache. <laughs> um, but absolutely fantastic. I mean, if you're if you're a uh, an exchange layer um you know if you've got the time to sit there and you you know you don't have your coverage too delayed um Valderram is the place to be it's just just stunning i mean it doesn't need to do anything it's not even seven thousand yards and it just causes headaches all over the place um yeah i mean you you didn't see it i don't think tom did you but no. as we know the mighty lorry canter um went to eight under after uh five holes of his final round I, I actually didn't see what price he went. I don't know if you did, Brad. I mean, I'd imagine it was something like 13 or 8 on or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, it's um, ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I, I said in my bit that I thought it was the appalling price that he'd fight the 4 11 to 8. But he went 8 under and you just thought, OK, maybe he only does. Possibly have this off. is his week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he can he can hit two over from here and probably still win. Nobody was doing that much. Soderbergh was going well, obviously, 4 under through 4 at the beginning. Um, How many was he and, clear and, at that point, Joe? Sorry. What, Kenta? When he was eight under, how many clear was he? Three clear at one point, three. I believe. Um, Soderberg was, Soderberg was, was flying yeah. at the time. Um, and, and then it just, well, it just, just went wrong. I mean, Classic I, I, Sunday, Laurie Cantor came I, to the fold. Do you know what? Do you know what? In Italy, you remember last year we were on it, in Italy, I think, a 66 to 1, mm-hmm. when it was also absolutely made for Laurie Cantor. I mean, we know that. I mean, Dee Burmester was up there challenging at the end. So, we know the sort of player that he suited. How Ross began won it, I don't know, but fair play to him. Played like a demon. Um, but in Italy, Cantor went into the final round again, favourite, um, and he hit the worst round, final round of the top 25. Um, you know, it's, it's not a coincidence, this. I mean, no. again, I mentioned it in the thing. He's done it in Dubai as well, which you can possibly forgive because of the um, quality of opposition. But this was just shocking. I mean, he was uh, plus six for the last 13 holes. Um, he looked. I feel for him really, in a way. I mean, he's you know his game is superb. His team's yeah. game. Oh God, I, I feel, I'm exactly. I feel so sorry for him as well. Like I don't. I wanted him to win, even though I was on Minwoo. I was still like half cheering Laurie Cantor, you know, because it's just 
you just want it so much for him just to get that win and I think it would really he'd really go on from there I think it's just such a monkey on his back that I think when he gets in them positions he just uh, he just buckles doesn't he it's uh, sad to see it's too much I mean we saw it at Wentworth again really good tournament we saw it at Wentworth again when, when you know it was a reasonably simple chip and putt that he had to play on mm. 17 or whatever else I think it was and he messed that up completely um, and it's all very nice coming away with figures of second here and third here and eighth here and, but the fact is that, that he doesn't have a clue what he's doing in front um, the nerves obviously get to him because he was just listening to his caddy the whole week uh, and it's, it's, it's sad but you know certainly around Valderrama you know this happens um, you know Soderberg looks looked like this was his no question Minwoo Lee I thought Minwoo Lee played some brilliant stuff and then got really angry didn't he yeah. When he start, when he went through that bit in the middle of the round, he, he got a bit angry. Well, when he hit the bat nine, there was I was like, oh, here we go, you know. I, I, was, I was thinking all day, just grab a place and run, you know. And uh, then suddenly, he, uh, when he was hit the, when he was on the tenth tee, I was like, Christ, we have a chance here, you know. And uh, but then he I think he had three bogeys in in four holes and uh, kind of kissed his hopes goodbye. But, but, you, but again, you know, you only have to, you, you just have to say, you can't get angry here. No. You know, you just can't do it. I mean, and you saw in his face that he got annoyed, and, and that's going to affect you. Soderberg, well, again, he was... I, I actually thought this was his. I couldn't see Fitzpatrick <laughs> getting to him. I mean, Matty Fitzpatrick was, you know, I thought he was brilliant. Superb. I absolutely yeah. just love watching him like that. Just so steady. And when he when he stands over a putt, it's like, he's got it. You know, it's just... Uh, I don't know. I love him when he's, when, he's in, when he's playing like that. You know, it's just thought, brilliant. I thought he did that sort of in Dubai where he's just sort of plodded along and then really when it counted, you know, he just put his nose in front. And, yeah. it, and to, be fair to, me, to be fair to him, I, I, I think six under is the worst he could have hit. I, I, you know, he burned the hole loads of times. Yeah. Uh, he's up and down. He was, he was just, he was excellent. I mean, look, the scorecard tells you, you know, but he really could have been at, he could have been at six, eight under, no problem. And, and in the end, Soderbergh just, you know, it was one tee shot that lost a bit. It was unbelievable. I, 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 I couldn't believe it. If I was down a par five, what are you doing? What are you doing? Just some of the some of the decisions on um, some of these holes was just. I, I just I just can't believe it. You yeah. know, uh, Soderbergh's another one who has history like that, like Cantor. Wales, he did it. Yeah, Wales, he did it. Yeah. Having said that, you know, if you look at it, Fitzpatrick, Soderbergh, there's a few that you can go down. Um, lots of crowns form there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot about there's a lot about the uh, correlation, but yeah, the event was brilliant. But people lost it, but that's that's enough. Take nothing away from Fitzpatrick, who was who was superb. He just played the course exactly how you need to play it, yeah. and um, yeah, well deserving. I think I think there's a couple of things there sort of to, to dive into. Is first of all, you look at Laurie Cantona, and you look at where he's had chances to win, and and legitimate chances of winning. You're talking about the Italian Open, Dubai, Valderrama, Wentworth. Like any one of those is a is a impressive win. Mm-hmm. He's had a chance to win all four, and that's the obvious appeal to him as a player. And then he comes into an event that we're expecting to be, you know, decent. You can take advantage of the driver, etc., like that. So he's going to be twenty to one this week, and the the appeal is someone's going to dive in because they want to they don't want to miss out on his win. But like I seem to say about everyone, and it doesn't seem to work out for me. So I don't know why I keep beating the same drum. But I always just wait for these guys to to just go out a bit further down the field because I think that it doesn't seem to matter to Laurie Cantor where it's going to come. It's not going to be 
a weak field or a strong field. It's not that he's going to just get his nose in front. It's just going to be one day it's just going to click and it's always going to stumble over or whatever and it's going to happen in whatever field. So I'll just take him at 66 to 1 in a bigger event. Yeah. Well, it won't be. It won't, the problem is it won't be from the front. No. So, you know, for him, for me, I, I, I'd, I'd be looking at him. I'd be looking at him at five or six off the pace in somewhere exactly. like Dubai. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Being on a yeah. 40. Putting blinkers on him. Don't show him a leaderboard. He'll hit 63. Definitely. And just don't show. Just don't show him where he is. And and he'll slip limp over the line. But you know, like I say, I mean, I can't believe that anybody was taken the 11th away. It was. It was just. Just incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, there we are. But I think I think when you look down that leaderboard, you, you mentioned Crans. Obviously, David Lipsky was up there as well, wasn't yeah. he? He's played yeah. Crans very well. Mm-hmm. You look at you look at the guys that are kind of outliers in that sort of top ten, and it was kind of Mimu Lee, Laurie Cantor, and Ryan Fox. You wouldn't expect to see kind of a armor really. I think they. they yeah. I know, obviously, you're on Mimu Lee, um, Brad, and mm-hmm. but you you sort of fancy him in a similar sort of Cantor style, I would say, in terms of bit more open take advantage of a driver etc but when you get to that point and you've proven that you can play the golf course well so i mean i, I took this kind of approach with wilco nine neighbor in the home that mm. he was just going to do what he did the year before like you can birdie where people genuinely can't and you should be able to be tactical enough to to par where you need to so mm-hmm. although it was although you can make the excuse for cancer that you know it's not the perfect course for him he's done it for the first three days it's just doing it in the fourth so that's it yeah it is completely mental at this stage um, which is a shame. I mean, like you say, he seems a thoroughly good chap, and mm. you know, when he wins, I think he'll be a very popular winner on tour. But you know, like Jason's said, um, I think it's gonna it's gonna come when he's like four or five shots off the lead. Yeah, like a bit like Armitage. You remember? Like, yeah. He just he just shoots a low number final round out of nowhere, and um, gets his win. You know, and uh, I just think it is gonna come like that because. Uh, and then once he gets a taste of the lead after he's had a win, maybe he'll be a, a have a different mentality. You know, once once he's got that monkey off his back, as I said before, I think he could. That's all he needs. You know, as you said, wherever it comes, it doesn't matter. And he's proven that he actually shows up on different tracks. You know, he's contended on loads of different type of tracks. And so, I don't know. He shows his ability. He's so so much talent. Just uh, as and when it comes, and I do believe it will. I think he's going to go on. And uh, hopefully achieve even more. I think the thing is as well, you know, we mentioned this last week, didn't we, Jason? That just the fact that he hasn't even had the the success on the Challenge Tour, like he hasn't had that win there. I mean, we we talked to Dale Whitnell when he obviously picked him in the playoff and did very very well by all accounts to win that. But not even having that winning form anywhere is like I think that is a stumbling block. Yeah, you're first to come in somewhere like Valderrama with someone playing as spotless as Matthew Fitzpatrick was. I mean, like you say, he wasn't. He wasn't flashy by any means, but he's just so solid. He's got the most experienced caddy in the field probably on the bag. Like, you know, it's just so hard to see when Cantor's going to get it done with your tail up with a lead. So it's, yeah, it, it, he's come from behind stuff. And, you know, when it happens, it happens. And hopefully he goes out to a big kind of 80 to 100 on price and, and mm. everyone gets on and we all enjoy it. But there we go. Moving on to then the Mallorca Open, which is the final leg of this kind of Spanish swing. Uh, Thomas Peters, Jason, he likes last week. He's 18 to 1 favourite. Laurie Cantor, 20 to 1. Andrew Johnston, 20 to 1. Sam Horsfield, Adrian House, 22 to 1. Ryan Fox and John Catlin, 22 to 1 as well. Um, Jason, I'll come to you first. Any particular interest at the top of the board? 
It depends what the course is going to do. Um, you, I mean, in the last, what, I don't know, go back to, I've got to 2003. We've had uh, half, seven tournaments, I think, in Mallorca. I mean, we, I, I think we can basically say that conditions anywhere on the island are pretty going to be similar, aren't they? Being an island, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, they've actually, you know, everyone's talking about possibly burning it up. But the uh, lowest score has been minus 12. Gregory Baldy and Sergio Garcia back in the Mallorca Classic. Um you also had something called, I hope you were going to pronounce it, is it the Iber, oh, whatever it is, Iberola, Iberolda, whatever it was, um, good, event sir. in 2010, 2011. Um, they were both one in minus six. So this isn't a course that, that mm. you know, perhaps is a Spanish Open minus 20 course. It, it may be, is, is more re- last week's event may well be more relevant than we think. Um, again, looking into it very quickly, um, Darren Clark, David Lynn, Chris Wood, Back in 2011, 2010, Peter Hansen and Alejandro Um I think yeah, Ireland form is, is pretty clear here. You've got Darren Clark, who obviously won the Open. Hey, the only, only <laughs> Open winner of Silver McIntyre wins it. Um, he's got 12 in Qatar, as well as other form, obviously, in the area. Chris Wood, obviously, in the Open, tied third, tied fifth. He's won Qatar. He's won Wentworth. He's been second in Portugal. Go back to Gregory Baldy. Okay, it's on a different course. Portugal, Celtic Manda, fifth in guitar, blah, 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 blah. Um, Peter Hansen, Kenazares. I mean, you just go back and the same courses actually fall into place. I don't know if this week's going to be the same. Um, got absolutely no idea because obviously back then they were the peak of players and they played the European Tour. They play Qatar and they'd play every other event, whereas obviously now we have lesser quality players. Um, but for me, if that does make any sort of sense then um and it gets a bit more difficult then i can see why you'd like the likes of andrew johnson john catlin um def- for me definitely over uh, ryan fox arnos and people like that um but can i back him at that price um <laughs> no um i mean we, we spoke earlier and when you look down the, the qatar link etc uh, you come to alexander bolt alexander bjork um it may well be good at snooker, I don't know. <laughs> but um, that's Alexander Fjord. Um, huge form in Qatar. Tied fourth last week. Tied 14th at Wentworth. Looked really good last week. But Ben was on at 150s. Yeah. And got paid place. Now we're asking to take 28 to 1. Um, so It's relative, isn't it, though? That, that you, you say in the sense that... I mean, you say all the time, don't you? That, you know, that he's shown that form and, and the field's weaker, so the price has to shorten. But it does seem like it's shortened up probably significantly more than it should. Like, there's players at the 40, 50 to 1 mark that I think would have equal opportunity than Alexander Bjork. Probably better, well, I've got a couple that I think have better opportunities than Alexander Bjork, but it does feel like you're giving up too much. You know, I'm a big fan of his and, and like the way he plays and, and I think he's got a lot to offer, but at 28 to 1, I mean, Brad, coming on to that sort of price here, your first selection is that price. What made you go for someone like Jordan Smith over Alexander Bjork? Yeah, well, to be honest, it was a bit of a headache for my uh, headline selection this week. I was it was either going to be Smith or Matthew Jordan at like a slightly better number at 33s. Um, I opted for Smith based off his performance like the last couple of weeks. I've been pretty impressed. He looks as like though he's trending with a top 20 and top 15 performance. So, and he closed with a 69 last week at Valderrama. So I don't know. I think he's coming into this week in good spirits. The only problem is he doesn't really show much form, you know, from the 
like island form, you know, and in space. So, but I didn't let that put me off. He's pretty long off the tee, um, and yeah, I'm just hoping he can build on his solid performances and uh, hopefully goes well this week. But yeah, as I said, it was uh, pretty tough uh, to choose between him and Matthew Jordan. Um, but yeah, I'm sort of looking for players who are strong and long off the tee this week because uh, from what I've heard and seen, it's going to benefit. Um, it looks really, it looks quite exposed. Like the course looks pretty exposed, and the the, the defense, like the one real defense, looks like it will be primarily the wind. wind yeah. It looks, and it looks probably the worst day is going to be Friday, from what I saw earlier. Um, but yeah, I, I I I don't think it's going to. Like, I agree with Jace. I don't think it's going to be a birdie fest. But um, but yeah, I'm definitely looking at players who are strong off the tee this week. I think I think that would suit Jordan Smith though, because I think that. If it turns into a real 20-under birdie fest, he might not make the amount of parts. Um, yeah. I sort of had this debate like... last week, thinking he'd be good at Valderrama. And, and I guess it's tough. I mean, he's, he's, the, he's the type of player that's got the profile to really go and shoot the lights out because he hits the ball so well tee to green. Um, mm. It's just that if anyone else was passing for him, a bit like Eduardo and Molinari, they would, they would you know, make a hatful of birdies. And like Jason always says, you can't have everything. So... Yeah, it's it's interesting. I never quite know what to do with Jordan Smith. I don't really know where to play. I him. never have much luck with him, so uh, <laughs> word of warning for everyone. Yeah. I'm hoping it's a change of fortunes this week. <laughs> Jason, what what do you make of Matthew Jordan at the moment? Because we we were obviously quite keen on the Dunhill links. We we keep talking about the fact that we expect him to win in you know the British Isles at some point, and he just seems to be popping up at places you don't think he will, and, and not quite performing where he should. He's another one that we, we, another one that will say, oh, he has to win at some mm. point. I'm sure people were saying that about again. Sorry, bring him up again, Laurie Cantor, many mm. years ago. You know, um, there's enough there, though, isn't there? I mean, I, I agree. I, 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 do you know what? I don't think there's not a similarity in there. There's not a similarity between Jordan and, and Smith, but I can see where you'd, you know, where you'd have a trouble finding which one's going to finish in front of the other. Mm. Jordan's got the boat. Well, Jordan. <laughs> The Jordan, Jordan Smith. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, they've got yeah Matt Jordan Smith. That's a headache in they've, itself. They've got they've got so much promise, and they're both knocking at the door. I mean, oh, Jordan's done it already. Sorry, Jordan Smith's done it already. Um, we, I think maybe we, we tend to get a bit biased because of obviously Matt Jordan's um, links pedigree and junior yeah. career, etc. Um, but he's coming here, and, and, and as we've discussed already, you know, when you do look at the uh, pedigree of the winners, Opens, Qatar, etc. That is right up Matt Jordan Street, isn't it? Um, you know, it, it continues to be a price that just you just don't know, dear. It's it, I can see him disappointing for a long time, um, and then as you, again, as you say, he's exactly the sort of player get out of form, um, turn up at a linksy track somewhere, maybe even down in South Africa. Who knows? Sixty-six yeah. to one, and you know, job done. Um, I, I, I again, I struggle. You know, he's in front of. God, I mean, it's just horrible, isn't it? <laughs> um, mm. You know, JB Hansen's a winner, but he's horrible to predict. The Pablo. It's disgusting. Apparently, yeah, the odds apparently, are just so difficult. Yeah, apparently the Rafa Bell's playing his best golf ever, according to him. Um, he does look very good in terms of you know, statistically as well. He does. He's, uh, he's brilliant, isn't he? But he, he's 22, if they're fresh, by the way. That's got to be an error in it. Um, <laughs> but he, um, again, I have no idea what he's going to do. You know, Loughton. Um, just yeah, he's he doesn't win anymore, does he? And he's thirty-five. What do you do in this field? It's just it's just yuck, isn't it? It is, yeah. I I had a real hard time finding 
value in this. I thought that, you know, I, I thought the approach was just going to be to go for some long shots and, and just hope for the best. And I didn't even quite get to that because even the ones that I thought would be long shots weren't quite as long as I thought they were. Yeah, yeah. Um, Richard Mansell, from a statistical point of view, stand out to me, starts me like massively. You know, we talk about long off the tee, gaining strokes there. He dropped to, dropped to a challenge tour, finished tied 12, finished sixth at the Dutch Open. First and last 15 weeks in strokes going approach and tee to green. Uh, 9th, 16th and 14th his individual rankings and approach. 10th, 8th and 8th according to tour tips in tee to green. There's not really, you know, evidence like sort of Brad spoke about with Jordan Smith that you can play well on these sort of tracks. Um, but I just think he's hitting the ball really, really well. And I guess because he's, you know, stands out so well statistically, that's why he's the price he is. Um, and you have to kind of swallow it. I, I really didn't like it, and I, don't, I still don't massively like the 40 to 1, but it feels like one of those ones that I'd get to the end of the week, and he made so much, he stood out to me so much, I'd just kick myself. You know, a 40 to 1 winner's much better than just missing out of it, no, you know, just because I wanted to be 66. It's, it's, it's yeah. really, really tough. So I, I think he's worth at least a, a second look, Brad, uh, you know, 40 to 1. Definitely. And he's someone I've backed in the past. I think I noticed, I'm just uh, trying to confirm it now, like I think I, because I was doing research for the, uh, what tour is it, the the pro, not the pro golf, the Euro pro Euro tour, pro, yeah. yeah, and uh, so I was looking up some mini tour form and I saw him play on the clutch pro tour and I don't think he had the best of rounds, um, I think he shot level par, uh, <laughs> I, I, it's not that, not, not, not as bad or anything, but um, when you saw like some of the scores that were coming in, um, but yeah. I mean, at least he's keeping himself a little bit fresh because obviously his last performance was at the the Dutch. Dutch open, yeah. Wasn't it? So, um, but yeah, I, I, I really like Richard Mansell and like you say, he's been playing really well and I do think he's gonna break through at some point. Like I really do. Yeah. I think the trouble is, is like you know, we say Jason, that we always say these people are gonna break through and you know, if they all break through, there wouldn't be enough for <laughs> them to win, right. would there? Yeah. So it's the, the, yeah, I think the problem is this week. Tom, is that you know they're going to break through at 150s is fine mm. yeah they're going to break through i mean i don't know if matty matty matt 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 schmidt. schmidt is playing this week um looks like he's not well, i thought he might have pulled out but he is he is in apparently still in the there's US. another one there's another one that is um yeah probably do you know what it is it's probably that, that they've got matty schmidt and matthias mm. schmidt Matthias somewhere schmidt, that, yeah. That, yeah um mm. and and you know you look at them and you just like you know he's going to win but the problem is every time you watch the telly uh, Mark Rowe just, oh, just just slides off his leather chair talking about Matthias Schmidt. It's just absolute sickening. sickening. Should, should put his price out if Mark Rowe's talking about It's him. just disgusting, honestly. Um, you know, you look at him and his plus figures at, you know, the links at the Dutch Open, you know, he's going to be awesome. But then he might not be. He mm. might be on the Challenge Tour in, in three years' yeah. time, not having won. You know, and 40 to 1, I'm not sure... I couldn't buy it. How many it. times you can go there? Yeah. No, and, and that's the thing. is, It is one of those ones where you just struggle to get there. I mean, I, this is why my next pick, I was actually surprised that the price he was at 55 to 1. I thought Paratore was was decent. Because mm. originally I, I kind of looked at it, Brad, as if it wasn't kind of the event for him and he prefers a bit of a tighter, fiddly tree-line track, etc. But when you actually look at what he's done, I mean, he, he won at Nordea. Second in Mauritius, nice and open. Fourth in Qatar, seventh at Daniel Links. It's not coastal, well, you know, it's a Links track. 18th at Saudi Arabia, and he's in good form as well. You know, tied 25th, tied 9th, last two. Seventh at Crowns before those run and miss cuts. 
you just look back at before he won the British Masters, he was 45th and 17th then win. And then he was 8th miscut, 18th, 23rd miscut before his Nordea Masters win. So it just seems to be that when he puts a couple of weeks together, um, I just I just thought he stood out again. Like, And and I suppose it's my, my own bias was telling me that it wasn't a great cause for him. And, and statistically, he doesn't stand out in terms of tee to green or approach. But I think I've been guilty at times of, of getting way too involved in that, in, in terms of the strokes going approach. I know it's important to look at. Um, but in terms of a course like this, like they're all going to be able to hit greens and they're all going to be able to hit fairways. So it's and not... he's a great. I do like him with the yeah. flat I do. I think he's a good putter. Um, so yeah, if he gets, if he gives himself plenty of birdie opportunities, he's the kind of guy I fancy to sort of go on a run, you know, and uh, rack a few birdies together. But yeah, I've been actually him and Langask. I wrote down initially yeah. like middle of the pack. I was like, oh, I kind of like them, but. Do I think they can go? Uh, I don't, can they build on that performance from last week? P- probably, or possibly, or not, I don't know. I just I couldn't really get there with either of them. But like I said, I wrote both of them down, um, and yeah, I do like both of them. But I couldn't get there. I think the thing I like about Peratore is he just seems to be so like he can just go anywhere and contend, and and that's like versatile that. is the word I'm looking for mm, about being yeah. able to get there. Um, you know, when he when he finished tied ninth at the Spanish Open, where you know the scoring was ridiculous, I didn't expect him to go as well as he did. Shoots a final around 65. Of course, that inflates his finishing position, but there was two 67s in there. Then equally adept going up to you know top 25 at Valderrama, and you know the poor Sunday by all means, I think that that probably kept his price out. But you know we're talking about a lot of players having having terrible Sundays, and he was probably I think he was the worst out of the top 25. So maybe that's apart from Laurie Cantor, obviously, but. That obviously keeps his price out of there, but I think just one bad round on a yeah. difficult course isn't enough to put me off, especially when I know he is a winner. Like it's not someone that's just got in contention and panicked. It's just someone that's just had a bad day. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you there. Definitely. Any thoughts, Jason, on Paratori or even Lane Gask, as we just mentioned him as well? Uh no, like them both. Um yeah, both always been promising players, haven't they? Um Lang Gask, I thought I think he's had a few chances, isn't he? Um I mean, I'm being harsh on him, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, look, look, I like Paratori. I like, I, when I think of Paratori, I think of Laporta. Laporta's not playing this week, yeah. so I probably would have backed him. Um, yeah, absolutely. I've got, got, got no complaints, middle of the field. I've got somebody else I like at that sort of region, but um, yeah, you can see him winning, can't you? Give us, give us your name around this sort of price range. Well, it's Jorge, isn't it? It's got to be Jorge, isn't it? Jorge Campillo. Jorge, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, if you... If you, I'm the only person following my line of thinking. But if there is that that Qatar and, and uh, Portugal form, then um, I think Campillo just picks himself really. Um, for me, it was interesting that he won Qatar. If anybody remembers it, massive price, miscut, miscut, 67 miscut, and then he goes and wins Qatar. A good field. Obviously, got his Portugal form. He's got Valderrama form. He was third on the island um, course at Cyprus last year I think actually I think we backed him then as well Tom yeah we did um, you know um, and look I don't know what he's going to do nobody knows what he's going to do one day to the next um, finish well at the links which could be could be not relevant may well be as I say given on past winners of this event although not on the course it's potential that's got there I don't know Campio could come fifth Campio could miss the cut um, but there was just enough there if I was following that line that, that you know, you've got to find a line, and that's the line I'm sticking to. Um, mm-hmm. 
he sort of stood out really for me in terms of uh, probable uh, course um, uh, suitability. Um, yeah. When I when I wrote about Paratore, the last the last sentence I didn't actually kind of read out was he's never been the most consistent, but he's a two-time winner and not many in the field have winning experience at this level, let alone winning twice. And that, yeah. that applies to both of those two players. You know, you talk about uh, Amman, Jason, when he finished second, he had 78 yeah. there in round two and finished second by one stroke to Kitayama. So it's, I think that that's my line of thinking. Like At the end of the week, like if any one of, you know, Langask, Paratore, uh, Smith, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and Campillo, anyone, anyone that's already won before, Soderbergh, anyone that's won and had experience of winning, you're going to get to the end of the week and go like, I had all these people that I was trying to get on their first mm-hmm. victory, and yes. there was just someone there that's got the talent and proven experience. That's well, right. Yeah. Go on, Brett. No, no, no. I was just saying that's completely right. You're always trying to think, oh, trying to find the value and trying to get on someone for their first win. But you know, like you said, come the end of the week, you're just going to be like kicking yourself because I, why not go with a proven winner instead? You know, in a field like this. Yes, I completely agree. I think it's almost. You know, you could... Sorry, go on. John, mate, no, I was going to say, you know, if you look at Campillo, you look at Canizares. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Um, I was going to say that, yeah. They're the same. I mean, not, they're not the same player, obviously, but there's, you know that, that when I think of certain players, there's, there's other ones. He's the same. He's got Qatar form. He's got Wentworth form. You know, he's got, he's got form on difficult, tricky tracks. I mean, it just, the, it's, it, it wouldn't surprise me, you know, I, I, I think. what I think the point is, and that hopefully we're, we're all trying to make, is that, you can justify them being at 50-55. Yeah. Whereas some of those shorter than him, you can't. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the other thing about that as well, I don't, I don't know if it's exacerbated as well when it's on a course that nobody knows. But I think that someone can get their first win after having a couple of looks. Like someone new to the tour could have had a couple of years looking at a golf course and then come out and they're in their third season, fourth season, ready to win, and they've had a couple of looks at the track. If everyone's coming to a track that they're not really familiar with and don't really have any experience for coming to, outside of maybe some of the Spanish lads that have been here, it probably just pays to be someone that just knows how to cope with that. I don't know. It's, it's, I don't mm. know quite what I'm trying to go with that. But it's, it, yeah, I, I think there's probably something to that that maybe proven winners do better at newer golf courses. I don't know if that's true. There's no statistical backup for that from me. Uh, but it'd be interesting to take a deep dive into that. But, mm. um, Niall Kearney was the last one at this price range for me. It's 66 to 1. Um yeah, he's top 10 in the field over the last 15 weeks in terms of current form. 8th, 35th, 29th, 12th, his last four. 35th on tour and strokes going off the tee, despite not hitting it that far. Um, hits it very, very straight. And we've seen him, you know, shot at 61 in the Canary Islands. I know, Jason, you've, you've mentioned Niall Kearney a few times um, over the recent sort of starts. Probably, probably getting on to the point where his price, again, doesn't look that exciting. But it just, he just seems to be the type of player that it's due a win, as we've just said about 87 other people. But four really consistent finishes now, and you go about seven or eight in the last sort of 10 or 11 starts. It just looks like he's finding his level now, and this is, you know, let's not make any sort of hay about it. This is a pretty average field. Like, there's not, there's no superstars in it. You know, there's not even John Rahm in there just propping it up. Thomas Peters, I suppose you could argue. Sam Horsfield, potentially, but... You know, they can't win every week, those two. So I just think that there's an opportunity for someone like Noel Kearney, Jason, to break through. Yeah, I like Kearney. We've spoken about it a few times. I just think he's a bit of a birdie machine. Mm. And I'm not convinced this is 
this is what you're going to need here. I, I do think that, you know, um, shown something at a couple of the trickier tracks of the last few weeks, Wentworth, you know, Valderrama, will we'll take will take precedent. Um, I like Kearney. I, you know, he's the, I think he went on, I can't remember which two events he went on. It was mad birdie runs. You know, just ludicrous. Looked like he was going to shoot sub-60 a couple of times. Um, didn't do it, obviously, because the cameras got to him. Um, yeah, I'm just not convinced this would be his course, to be honest with you, but who knows? That's fair enough. Any thoughts on, on that, Brian? No, okay. Yeah, no. Again, you've mentioned someone uh, that I wrote down initially, purely, like you said, like off his four, the, you, his four previous starts have uh, just been really impressive, haven't they? Like all in the yeah. top 40. And um, yeah, he's a birdie machine. And that finish at the, I think it was the Canary Islands, wasn't it? I think yeah, he, finished, he shot 61, didn't fourth. he? Yeah, six, I finished fourth. Yeah. I mean, that did like, sort of uh, make me think that he's a good option for this week, potentially. But I tried not to take that into account too much. And at the same time, I feel like that little bit of break, I do, don't necessarily like to take people straight away. I know it's not a big break, but um, yeah, it didn't. Really, at the end, I couldn't really get there. But he's definitely someone that I considered. And he also did well at the Grand Canaria one open, I think. I think he had a top 30 finish. So, yeah, there is, there is some things there to sort of suggest that he could go well this week. Yeah, I've, I've overlooked someone in the market here that I sort of alluded to slightly earlier and back to last week. Uh, Brad, you, you're on. He's uh, Wilco Nineaver and he's down there at sort of 40 to 1. You've yes. up at 33s now. Right. Here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a regular backer of Nineaver uh, and a big believer in his talent. I sort of uh, talked myself into taking him last week where really I shouldn't have because I said to myself and a few others that I don't think he's like a good fit at all, but I still felt the urge to take him. Probably his performance on his Valderrama debut in terrible conditions like contributed to that. Um, but either way, like it was a bad call. Um, but this week, it's a different story. Like the course looks exposed, little danger off the tee. So I'm expecting him to just eat up them fairways, you know, with a big stick. Give himself plenty of birdie opportunities, and yeah, I, I, he was an easy choice for me to go back in on him, even after last week. It's, it's one of those ones where, so everyone was telling me exactly the same as you. Was, you know, I don't understand where you're going with nine I don't know why you think he's a good fit. And I was just like, look, he, you know, he's had one go at it and finished sixth, and he he tore the course <laughs> apart last week. You know, on Sunday, like, why would I not? You know, he's got the potential to break a golf course. Um, well, so on the fence, and I ended up. I was actually, <laughs> to, be, to be fair, I was actually. It was between uh, Nine Arbor and uh, and Du Boisson, and they both. I like, ended up doing pretty shit. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah so. Yeah, but that's the thing is, he was 100 to one, wasn't he? And come right down into 60s and 50s, where he probably belonged. So yeah. the 33 to one, people are going to go. Oh, he's gone from 100 to 33s. He wasn't really ever probably 100 for as long as he should have been. And no. you know, he come down to the 50s, and that's a kind of same price, but. Like you say, it's it's a perfect golf course for him on paper. I think so, yeah. We don't I really think it is. We don't really know, do we, quite what what to expect. Um, and I think yeah. that's just that's true of nine neighbor in general. Like, you know, he yeah. like I say, he can, he can break anything. Yeah, he can shoot like a sixty-one, and then he'll he'll follow up with like an eighty something. <laughs> it's just like it's just like, I do think there's such such great talent there though, but definitely needs more consistency. And forty to one isn't the best number, but I mean, as we said before, we're, we're struggling this week to find good numbers. We are, we are indeed. Jay, so my next one is a hundred to one, and I think you like as well. Any before that? Um, 
I, I, I don't like him because you've put him up a number of times. I've always had a go. He just doesn't win. But Jeff Winter, mm. I thought was, too, I actually thought was too big at eighties. I mean, I never, very rarely would say that to be honest with you. Um, but I just thought, I mean, again, you know, boring you all. But I mean, the guitar form, you know, you much better, much better quality. Top twenty in two thousand nineteen, third in two thousand twenty, top fifteen two thousand twenty one. Uh, third behind Higo at Grand Canaria as well. So he's got the Irish uh, Ireland former. My brain's racing ahead of what I'm supposed to be saying. Um, I'm never going to, I'm never going to have, you know, I'm never going to nap him to be honest with you. Uh, but I thought in this field, you know, he, he appears, doesn't he? You know, he appears every so often. He bungs in an effort. Uh, 14th at the links, you know, that's good enough in this field. He yeah. bungs in an effort. He'll bung in around. He'll get on TV. He'll get in the final, you know, Half dozen groups. It's, it's nothing special. I just thought eighty to one purely as a, a price point. To be honest with you, um, just looked far too big for certainly for a, you know as a place. I mean, the bigger he is, the bigger he's going to be a top ten. The bigger he is, he's going to be top twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just thought, yeah, I thought Winter. Um, this he could easily, you know, he can easily compete with some of these at half the price that he is this week. Um, so yeah, I've, I've put him in for like half a pence each way or something. Another one, isn't he? That's played well in Amman, played well in Cyprus, all mm. you know, all links well. I think he's versatile again in terms of scoring. Like, I think that was the other thing I wanted. I wanted someone that I knew could go low if the, the conditions allow and knows how to grind out. If it doesn't, and I think I've got a kind of balance with those guys. Maybe Mansell's a bit more needs the low scoring conditions, and you may have said the same with Kearney there. But certainly with Paratore, I'm pretty confident he can go both ways. Um, and I think Winter's probably the same as that as well. Maybe like you say, a bit like Laurie Cantor. Uh, maybe just needs to be uh, four or five shots back as opposed to on TV on the, you know opening a couple of holes on Sunday. But you know, we will see. You know, eventually these people are going to prove us wrong, so we can but hope. <laughs> Naturally, on this show, we talk a lot about peak performance and having a whole package when it comes to winning golf tournaments. But you know who else focused on these two areas as well? Manscaped. Manscaped took their Lawnmower 4.0 product and put it together with all the necessary components to make the Performance Package 4.0. Including this package is the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker, which takes care of nose and ear hair, the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, which are essential for your balls, and two free gifts, including a premium wash bag and a pair of anti-chafing boxes. Now this set is normally $218, but is $130 for a limited time only, and with our 20% code LFW20, that will now be brought down even further to $104. In the UK, this will be £96 instead of £120, and again, the Performance Package 4.0 helps you and these elite golfers, if they so wish, stay in peak shape below the waist. That is code LFW20 for 20% off site-wide and free worldwide shipping on manscaped.com. Adrian Sadio, um, second in tees green and approach in the field over the last eight weeks, 15th in his last start, 7th at Crans, 17th at the BMW International Open. Good, Really good recent form, considering he's not playing consistently, which is uh, it's a tough thing to do when you haven't really got your playing rights anywhere consistently. 9th at the Cyprus Open last year, might be a bit of a pointer. His only win on a Challenge Tour came in Spain. Um and, you know, that, that finish that breaks up the really good finishes in Italy was like 44th. But he only had one bad round. So, realistically, he's in really, really good form at 100 to 1, Jason. It's just whether you think that he can step up and win. I don't think... 
I suppose it seems a bit silly to say, considering the, the kind of few at the top of the market, but I don't think there's much more winning to do in this compared to a, a top-grade Challenge Tour event. I don't think there's a there's a huge amount of different. I know there's there's some names in it, but there's a lot of names in it that are playing terribly. So, yeah, I don't I don't think it's a huge step up for someone that's hitting the ball as well as he is. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he's he's a better player than his results. Um, you've covered yeah, you've covered it pretty much. Um, I'm happy to take a chance in this field at hundred. You know, is he 100 to 1, is he? He is. Yeah, I don't know where he's been. I don't know where he's been the last two weeks. Cause I, don't, I don't read French. I don't understand his Twitter. <laughs> but, um, so that, that's my only concern. But uh, yeah, 100 to 1 for a player that's 17. Yeah, I, think that's, I, I completely overlooked him. I think that's pretty good value. Yeah, I considering. mean, there was 125 um, six places. But yeah, it's generally 100 to 1 uh, six places, 80 to 1 seven. So it's, I suppose it's whether you want to nick those extra couple of places because... You worry about him, you know. Is he more of a top ten, top twenty shout? Probably, um, but you know, I wanted one from a three-digit price. Not not because I feel like you have to, because I'm happy to ignore them and I don't need to. I'm going to do so in the next event. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just I just thought like he stood out to me, and I know again that's just going on tour tips, plugging in strokes gain approach, plugging in strokes tee to green, and just going right. Okay, well who's who's in the top ten? Oh wait, he's second in both, and it's like well, that's a massive, that's a huge thing to be top two in um mm. i just saw 120 you don't you don't really get that kind of figures about a player that's hitting the ball as well as that as well as he is it's and true, getting yeah. the results like yeah. sometimes you see oh, was it? i was looking at like jimmy walker right and i was going to play him in zozo and mm. it's because he was he was like seventh or something in the field in his approaches but he was finishing 20th 30th 40th whereas this guy is finishing 15th 7th 17th like there's just I don't yeah. think there's much more that needs to happen, Brad, between a, a 15th and a, and a 6th. Like, it's a no. couple of shots for, you know, four rounds. Not at all. Yeah, and especially, as we keep saying, in a field like this, you know, it could just all come together and uh, he gets himself up the top, you know, and starts contending. Um, I obviously I didn't even realise how well he was hitting it until you uh, until you mentioned it, mate. And, uh, yeah, tell you, you're kind of uh, selling him on me, to be honest. <laughs> That's always dangerous. I, yeah, I wouldn't follow me if I was you. Yeah, especially with Chase and the Greens. No, honestly, I, I mean that. I, I think he's a, a good bet at hundreds this week. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think he's worth a lot. I think that I think he's the guy that kind of at that price range. I mean, we spoke, Jason, about Lucas Beauregard, didn't we? About how he might be yeah. potentially a decent bet. Um, yeah. Certainly looks like he's coming back to the four. Should be. Um, a good golf course for him. We hope, you know, we talk about someone like 9A, we're talking about Richard Mansell, long sort of hitters off the tee. But again, like Beauregard, I mean, we spoke about him six months ago when it looked like he was first sort of coming back on the scene. And Brad's going to come onto a guy that's making a similar comeback, I think. Um, but you, you liked Portugal, he's obviously won there. He's played well in, in general sort of courses like this. Sicilian Open, I think he was fifth. Aman, he's played well in on a challenge tour, so he just generally plays well on these kind of coastal tracks. He's obviously won the Dunhill Links and nice open and exposed. So, any more to add on that, Jase? No, no, I, I'm with you. I, I just uh, when I was looking down the list purely, you know, with no prices, just looking at, you know, he's he is. We know he's a better player yeah. than, than what he's showing, and, and like you say, there have been a little bit. 6762 at Fairmont opened up. Um, 468. That's in Spain, you know, which was a very, very low scoring track, wasn't it? You, you won't worry about somebody like him missing the cut at Valderrama. I mean, you know, to be fair, if Nine Aber misses the cut at Valderrama, you'd, you'd say okay. If you know, if Cantor had missed the cut at Valderrama, you'd say okay. Um, so I'm not really worried about that. It's bits and pieces. 
And, and it's, it's context, isn't it? 100 to 1 in this field if they play it 100 times. I guarantee you get placed at, you know, a few. Um, so, yeah, I'm quite happy to have him. If you go back to his best of his form, then it's uh, he's potentially one of the best players in the field. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, a trio of 200 to 1 or bigger for Brad coming up. So, Jase, is there any in between that before we let Brad on these uh, long ones? Just a, 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 before the, you know, as we, I'll finish it with our, the, like the best bet later. But uh, Nino Batasio, who's really annoying mm. pain in the backside, quite frankly. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I just thought he. I mean, he always plays well at Valderrama. It's not a surprise when you do look back. He won and he won. He's won two amateur competitions, and one of them was at Sosa Grande. So um, no surprise he plays well at Valderrama. Um, and I think he was, if I'm not mistaken, last year he was the best par three player. So again, yeah. accuracy and everything like that. So 15th last week, hit the ball really, really well last week. Uh, as we know, a tricky track. Very impressive Sunday. Bogey three for the first nine. Uh, three under for his last six holes. Um, yeah, look, uh, he, he's another one. Do I think he's ever going to win? Potentially not. He may never win, unlike some of the some of the younger players. But in terms of place value, um, yeah, he's got enough. He's got enough form in very decent um, class to make me think that. Yeah, again, you know, hundred to one or bigger or, or whatever he's going to be on Betfair. Um, top twenty, top ten, whatever, top seventeen and a half, whatever. Um, <laughs> There it is. It's there. You know, he's got Wentworth. He's got Qatar. That's what I brought up on previous winners. So, hundred to one. Yeah, thanks. Anything to add on that, Brad? Before you go into your three. I'm just gonna say I was I was on Batasio last week. Not I didn't have him outright, but um I, I had a little bit on the exchange. Um but yeah, to, he did the business with that final round, top thirty market, five to one. So yeah, he's playing he's playing really well and. Uh, I think he could be worth chancing this week. Another one that I was considering the way he's hitting it. Um, so, yeah. No, I like that. Let's go into to yours and to finish up with Brad before we go on to yep. the Zozo. There's a, there's a few here now. One of them is shortening up in price a bit. Yeah, I've, I've, I've gone for... As I've, I think it's a great week to chance a few at triple digits, you know, in this field. Um, so the first one is Reese Enoch. Yeah. And I've... I think last time I was on the pod, we, we spoke about him. You know, he's one of my favourites. Uh, he's always a player that sort of comes in my into my head when uh, I think it's a bit of a bomber's course, you know. It's long and he's openly said in the past that his game suits exposed tracks like this. So not only is he creeping into some form, he's like he's got that as well. So it's it seems like a bit of a good a good fit. Tied 39th at the Dunhill links and 12th last week on the Sunshine Tour and he was actually in form I thought he was going to win last week and I was like oh no I'm not on it you know it was like killing me and um, but then he, he didn't have the best of final rounds it was stable for uh, format last week he just uh, yeah he fell away um, but yeah I, I think he's really good value at 200s and he was a, an easy take for me and I'm actually I got on early with William Hill 250s so I've got um, yeah I've got quite a bit on him <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's certainly shortened up. I think our, uh, I think I don't know if Ben's put him up, but he's certainly um, been oh, put up somewhere because he? he's, oh, he's, he's, he's coming short. But um, well, if Ben's put him up, that makes me feel like I'm doing something. That's right. always a nice bonus, isn't it, when you say yeah. that afterwards? <laughs> um, but your others as well. I mean, I spoke about obviously Bureaugard and him coming back to form, and the one that I was kind of comparing to him was Gavin Green. Um, you know, he just we know what his upside is. We know what you can do in the right test. 
Um, mm. And then he comes back and, and finishes top 20 in uh, Valderrama last week. I think he likes Valderrama. I, I think if I look back, he's got some pretty good finishes there. But yeah, it was a, it was a great performance last week. And he was he's in desperate need of one as he's been in such poor form this year. Like last week, he placed uh, tied 20th um, after closing with, I think it was a 67. And that was actually his best finish this year. Yeah. Like, it kind of, kind of outlines the year he's had. So, But he can be quite a streaky player. Well, very streaky. So this could potentially be the start of an upturn in form. Um, he's long off the tee. Like, ranks 34th on tour. But the problem being he's like, not accurate at all. Like, he ranks <laughs> 199th. Um, but, you know, he might... Last week, he relied on his putter, like, big time. Um, he still struggled off the tee. I think he ranks 60. Yes, 64th, and on approach, um, he ranked 50th. But, yeah, not nearly as bad as it has been. Um, and this course might give him some joy, you know. Like, um, might get his, in much trouble, hopefully. It, it's speculative, but, yeah, 250, I think there's plenty of value there. And um, got to add, you've got to have a, a first-round leader bet on him if you're taking him outright or else. Because, you know, it's impossible to back him without having <laughs> some... Uh, First round leader action on him. I think he, he, he loves a fast start, doesn't he? I need to do that more often. I mean, I need to start taking these these long shots that I put up, and you know, they get off to these fast starts. Players, I do it on. I think Green is just along with one of. Oh, we'll get onto it like a Kang. Yeah. You know, if you're gonna take them out right, like you've got to take them first round leader because they're just like the kind of people that should just come out the gates and just shoot a silly number. Yeah, Kang, Kang likes a good sixty-one to open up the week, but. Um, and on, then blow up, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they never never materialise again. But Andre Leeser is someone that we've spoken about an awful lot on this podcast. He's He had that really ghastly-looking golf bag. Um, yeah, great golf bag. And he's he's not quite made the step up that I expected him to. Um, but maybe it's just, you know, a bit of a victim of his own success that he played, you know, very, very well in a short space of time on the Challenge Tour and then just gets thrust into, I guess... A random bunch of events you don't quite know whether they suit or not that's right um well he's look he, i looked at the challenge tour you know the the 2020 grand final was in mallorca mallorca sorry so he's had some he has some fond memories you know coming back obviously a different course but you know and he's, he's coming off a top 20 finish in his last event at the dutch open you know which is i think that might be his best ever finish on the european tour Gonna, yeah, I think it is. It's so, video, yeah. so he's, I mean, he's, he's, he's in high spirits and he's coming back to a place where he's had some, you know, some joy. Um, and that was simply it for me. And uh, and that's why I thought at 250, let's, uh, let's go with that narrative and uh, see where it gets me. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even really think about the challenge to a final. Obviously, Richard Mansell played well there for, for three of the four rounds. I think he had a terrible Saturday. So... That kind of gives me a little yeah, bit that, of a thought exactly, process yeah. as well. So yeah, that. that that's that's uh, an interesting one there, and and kind of adds to to my excitement about Richard Mansell, despite the fact he's forty to one. But Jason, the your favourite bet that we don't quite know what price is going to be yet, but something you want to look out for. Well, yeah, it's disappointing that that you told me that Ben put him up. I've just and I've just read it because that ruins his probably his first round leader price. But yeah, first <laughs> round leader Sebastian Garcia Rodriguez. He's the one. He's the one. I know he's going to he's going to beat Gavin Green by a shot. Um, <laughs> right now, this is why I can't back him. Out. I can't possibly back him out. Right, um, hit 62 to open up uh, Spanish Open a couple of weeks ago. Finished 71st. 
hit 67 to lead the Irish Open and then missed the cut, believe it or not. Mm. Uh, Tenerife is 16th after first round, Kenya 14th. Alpha Daniel, South Africa, is, uh, hit 68. He was fifth, eventually finished 39th. Cyprus, he was ninth after 67, missed the cut after three rounds. Uh, the hero last year, 62-69, to lead at halfway, he finished 10th. Um, you're talking about the Challenge Tour Grand Final. Second after the first round, second at halfway, finishes 35th. Uh, and then you go back to Alps Tour. He's opened up, he, he opens up, he finished his hits. Finishes third after the first round, finishes 33rd. Go back, even go back two years ago, May 2019, he had a run of three events. Second, third and first for three events after the first round. Swiss Challenge, 2018. Fifth after the first round, finishes 33. It's 62 two weeks ago to open up the Spanish Open. Have what you want on. First round leader. I'm sold. Sebastian Garcia Rodriguez and Gavin Green, both 80-1 with Sky. Right, for the first round leader. The first round leader. Back in both of them this week, first round leader. <laughs> And I think one of them is 100 to 1, and one's 125 to 1 on Unibet if you can get on there. Yeah, so there's um, there's some interest there for the first round at least. Um, that might be the only round I'm interested in in Mallorca. <laughs> but um, let's go over to the Zozo Championship. Obviously, we want to try and uh, to keep it fairly brief. I kept the CJ Cup very brief last week, and it worked out in my favour. I'm hoping the same is going to happen again. Um, Xander Shuffle 13 to 2, along with Colin Morikara at the same price. Hideki Matsuyama 14 to 1. Wills Alatoris 18 to 1. Tommy Fleetwood 25 to 1, along with Joaquin Neiman and Ricky Fowler. Um... God, it sounds even worse when someone actually says it to me rather than reading it. It's depressing reading. <laughs> um, when I saw Paul Casey pull out earlier, it was even more depressing. Uh, yeah. Then Jimmy Walker, I fancy, pulled out, so it made it even less enticing. Um, it's just, it's a really, really tough event that you'd expect someone like Shuffle and Morikawa to walk away with. Um, Hideki's obviously, he was second here to Tiger in 2019, three shots behind. So I actually think maybe the disparity between the, his price and the other two is, might be a bit too big, but... I think there's a lot. There's a lot of pressure when you're the home favourite. You're, um, you know, it's going to be a big week. It's the first time he's returned to Japan to play golf, as far as I know, uh, since winning the Masters. So that might be a big factor as well. Mm. I just, I don't know. I mean, that Will Zalatoris has been this price for for PGA Tour events for quite a while, so it's not quite surprising. Tommy Fleetwood actually has some very good Asian form, um, and when he dropped down to the European Tour was really, really impressive for, for that little yeah. stretch between, you know, either side of the Ryder Cup. And actually, when you look at this field strength, it's not it's not too bad. So I could see him going well. Um, I'd, yeah, I'd hasten to say... one that caught my eye a little bit. Yeah, I'd hasten to say his value at 25-1, to 1, but when you look at it in the context of... I mean, Ricky Fowler's had one good week and he's suddenly back at this price. I understand it. He's played one in Japan before. He's one at Dunlop Phoenix. He's... He was mm-hmm. mashing the ball off the tee. Uh, the CJ Cup was excellent. Yeah. Um, but oh, just, I don't need to dive in him at 25 to 1. He'll be 50 to 1 in another field at some point soon. And, he and can win at that price. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and I think I feel like I'm the same about almost everyone up here now. Like, if Xander and Colin win, that's fine. That's just what happens. Yeah. Uh, Hideki, if he wins at 40, I think, I think Hideki would be one of those ones that you go, why did not just back Hideki in Japan? At the tournament, he's already finished second at when he was 14 to 1 compared to the others being 13 to 2, double the price. But 
again, just with all the pressures and everything. I'm just... also surprised. I'm surprised Sanjay like didn't come. Like, well, he, he rarely missed he, an event. He pulled and, uh, out, he, didn't he? And he pulled out, yeah, and uh, he's been playing excellently. Like I, I don't know what price he would. He'd probably been like 18s, maybe. Yeah, I mean, he was third here, wasn't he, as well, on his debut. So yeah, it's... exactly. I mean, I might have actually nibbled there. Um, but, yeah, other than that, like, as soon as he withdrew, I was like, and then I saw the odds, I was like, no, just going to just focus uh, further down the market, you know. I mean, luckily, Jace, my, my picks have all come later on in the market, so I haven't really been heavily affected by anyone at the top pulling out, but... Was there was there anyone that you had your eye on that's kind of been pinched in because of those putting out? No, I mean we just we you know we discussed earlier. It's a night of four-ish, not quite um, top two winning, and um, seven to four-ish, top three. And we wouldn't ever say that, but you can have seven to four, Xander, Colin Morikawa, and Hideki, or you can have eleven to eight, Laurie Cantor at Valderrama in the <laughs> final round. No, but my point being, you know, no, seven no. to four is seven to four. Yeah. You know what I mean? A loaf of bread is a pound. It's a pound is expensive for someone. It's a pound <laughs> cheap for someone else. Um, in context, actually, in this field, and given their form in, in obviously Japan in the Olympics and, and the way they're playing, and you know, this this course, um, I think is supposed to be quite tight. Um, I, I actually don't. I wouldn't back it. I'm not suggesting you do, but I actually don't think that's that bad. Well. It's interesting, isn't it? If you're the type of person that backs a lot of football or NFL or horse racing or greyhounds or whatever it is, snooker, that you like these kind of short price bets um, and it's a clear favourite you tend to back and, you know, it's not a terrible price. You get three of the best players in the world in a limited field. It's, you know, it is one way to go about it. I, again, I wouldn't because there's a couple of players that I think have got a good chance. But I think you mentioned the Olympics earlier. I think the course designer here is the same as the one that designed... The Olympic track, I'm not entirely sure on that, but it was 100 years ago, so it's pretty irrelevant. But I think, in general, Brad, I'm not sure what you thought, but I think Japanese tracks in general, you know, tree-line, yeah. tight, they all share two greens That's and it. they pick one. So it's all kind of a similar test. You can look at shot game approach, total driving. Like, it's yeah, as you say, they're, they're normally quite tree-lined and tight. But yeah, I, I'm honestly I'm not feeling all top, confident at all with my uh, with my picks this week. I've got to admit, yeah, it was. I no, I just I was tough. It was tough looking through the odds this you know this afternoon. I, I mean I'm I'm happy with it, but I mean at the same time it's just not overly confident. Whereas you whereas I might feel like I am in other events. You know, I was just I was just so put off. I was put off for a little while, like looking through the odds, and I sort of. I was struggling to settle on who to take, and uh, then I saw that Casey's sort of joined the list of players to pull out and <laughs> weaken the field further and create an even bigger headache of finding value. So yeah, I just went for players who have, you know, they've got experience playing in Japan in the end, and um, and are in good form on their respective tours, you know. So I took into account some shot games approach and recent form, total driving, and then that sort of got to where i was at with my picks yeah but it was a, it was a headache it was another headache a bit like it wasn't easy for both events actually this week yeah. really tough i mean look i i kind of looked at the cj cup from when that was at nine bridges i looked at the olympics and i looked at just asia golf yeah, in Olymp- general. of course yeah olympics as well yeah yeah i think i think all it abroad. all does correlate doesn't it like malaysia thailand anywhere like that cimb classic all those sort of things yeah. all kind of factor in uh, annoyingly, the person that came up an awful lot in my research that isn't playing is Gary Woodlands. I know how Jason feels when he finds someone and you know doesn't like it, but it's 
I did find it really tough. And the other the other course that I did correlate to it, and I have no idea quite whether it's going to work or not, is the Copperhead course at the Valspar. Tiger had finished second there. He's obviously won here, but it's hard to use Tiger as a, as a barometer. But mm-hmm. Gary Woodland, fifth here, former winner of the Valspar. KC, two-time winner at Valspar, 17th here, just outside the top 10. Corey Connors led the Valspar for three rounds 2018 and then blew up on the final day. And he was, I think, top six here. Keegan Bradley shares a course record here. He finished second at Valspar this year. Sam J.M., fourth at uh, Copperhead, third here. Charles Howe, great record at Copperhead, finished tied second there, was tied eighth here. And Danny Lee as well, seventh at the Valspar, tenth here. So that was kind of what I did. I looked at the par four performance because you've got, I think, I think there's five of them that are under 425 and five that are over 480. So it's it's a nice you know disparity between the two there. And the five par threes, I think, Jason, you, you've mentioned par threes scoring an awful lot recently. Like, that could be a significant factor this week. Well, maybe that answer isn't playing a noise for Tesio, so... Um, it doesn't matter, does it? Par threes. No, it could be anyone. But, look, I started my <laughs> my card at about the 40 to 45 to 1 mark. So, Jason, was there anyone earlier than that that you want to talk about? No, you know, what, you know the two that, are, that I like, and um, I'll wait for a while. I am going to go, and I'm going to start us off with C.T. Pan. Um, so C.T. Pan was the third best iron player in the field over the past eight weeks. Made a hot start to the 2021-22 season, finishing 6th and 11th in two starts. Bronze medalist down the road at the Olympics. Um, short layout, you know, he's won the Heritage, he's third at Colonial. He's only 59th here in 2019, but he's improved significantly and he's in much better form than he was going into that event as well. I just, you know, it's not a massive price, 40, 45 to 1, but 40 to 1, seven places in a, in a very limited field, given the hot start that he's had so far to the season. I was really impressed with CT Pan, Brett. Definitely, no, and I'm actually pretty gutted because I, I, I saw, when I saw the bet, uh, the odds, this, well, I think it was just after midday, um, I, well, whatever it was, saw the odds and CT Pan was someone I was really interested. I saw 80 to 1, I think, with bet 365, <laughs> and I was like, yeah having some of that and then when I actually came back to like sort of go to my picks I saw he was 50 and I, I shouldn't do really and or, or wherever it was 55 to 1 I think you could get with Labrooks and I just I was too stubborn I was like you know what it's in this field it's probably it's probably right and it's good still value there but I was just like just when you know you could have got him at that price it just it, it does it just, it bugged me big time, <laughs> and and I think that's... I didn't, get, I didn't get there in the end. Um, but it, I really, I do really like him. I, I, think... I do, I do think he's got, and obviously he did really well at the Olympics. You know, um, good form there, shows up in Asia a lot, um, and yeah, he, he definitely appeals. Like he's been, he's been playing. What a great start to the season he's had as well. I think that's the thing that I've been trying to avoid. Is like I get, I get so caught up in the value and, and odds and. One of the benefits of me, I do this early preview now for Roger Check, and I have to get it all out and have these early leans before the prices come out, and and just put in CT Pan the next couple of guys that I've put down that, and just having those picks clear in my mind before the odds come out, and just really sticking. So unless he come out and he was twenty five to one or twenties, then then I don't do it. But you know, there, there's almost I wouldn't say there's a case to be made for him to be twenty twenty five to one. We've got Cameron Tringali, he's never won. He's he's thirty to one. Um, that is just criminal. You isn't got, it? You've got Jonathan Vegas, thirty-three to one. Nothing. To I don't mind Vegas so much. I, I like I him, think, but I just I still, I still think that's a crazy price, though. Like, don't get me wrong, especially yeah. when I was at on him last week at one hundred and fifty to one. Could you imagine? And like, that's that... what I mean. Like, it's just there's nothing that these guys below him. Like, 
I really like Joaquin Neiman as a talent, but there's mm. nothing that he's doing that you know that Trent Garley is doing that's anything reason to be short of CT Pan. So CT Pan, I was happy with, and then both of us, Brad, are on KH Lee. Um, yes. I'll give my kind of thought process on him. He's back to back top 25 to start of the season. Perez 66 is over the weekend at the CJ Cup. Looks in good form. Uh, two-time winner in Korea and once in Japan. Um, so clearly likes playing closer to home. And he should go well on this layout. He's eighth in the field over the last eight weeks in strokes. Going to approach fourth in driving accuracy in 28th in greens and regulation. So he's fourth in total accuracy on tourtips.com over the past three months. So it's been a, a long-term thing. I think he keeps anointing himself the world's sexiest golfer. So that's a, that's a really good title <laughs> for him to have. Um, I don't know if that affects his golf swing, but I think I think he's been you know he's been pretty impressive for a decent so, period of time. Like you know he won that by Nelson. Since winning, yeah. Like, since winning, he's just been really like he's he's, he's looked really solid, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah, he really has. He doesn't miss many cuts. No. And uh, yeah, no, I completely agree with everything you said. You pretty much covered it. You know, he's a winner in Japan. Yeah. Um, he's tasted success here, albeit at a different level. And um, he's playing some excellent golf at the minute. You know, he ranked ninth on approach last week. And, um, yeah, it was just the second round 72, really, that stopped him from like, achieving more like last week. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think he's great value at 50s and echo everything you just said. I suppose he's one of those ones, again, the trouble is I, I struggle to see what it is that it's a course. That, like CZ Pan, I know, is like a short tree-line course, will fit him really well. And Cagely, I'm not sure... What's the best thing for him? Like he just seems to pop up everywhere. He has those little runs at Genesis, didn't yeah. he? Then he'd do Phoenix. Yeah. He nearly won. And you're like, what is it that you're actually good at? And then when you look at it, and you just think, right, well, since the Byron Nelson, he's finished sixth at the 3M, low scoring, 24th at the Wyndham, low scoring, but shorter, 12th at the BMW in the playoffs, 14th at the Shriners, 25th. Like that. He's just been, he just always seems to be there. So for me, in a in a reduced field, somewhere closer to yeah. home, I was quite happy with the price. Definitely, I can get there. I can definitely get there at 50s with that, with him. Yeah, very happy. You've got another guy at 50s as well in the shape of Lanto Griffin. Yes, and this one's a bit of a funny one, really, because it doesn't necessarily tick a lot of boxes, but I really wanted to back him last week, and I think that was probably why I was sort of so eager to get on him this week. But I can't believe he wasn't in the field no. last week. Bugged me. Um, but anyway, I, I was really impressed with, his, uh, with Griffin's performance at the Shriners, and... Um, yeah, he was some. As I said, he was someone I was looking to bet, um, and then he wasn't in the field last week. So yeah, but he's yet to play in Japan, as far as I'm aware. But he's no stranger to having success abroad. Like he started his career on the Latino America tour, so he's won in Argentina. I know it's a completely different setting, but he's had some success abroad. Um, but yeah, I, I see a lot of positive in the way he started the season. I think he's only he missed a cut once, and it was on the number. Um, but yeah, at the Shrine is he ranked 12th in approach, 2013 to green. And, um, yeah, I mean, 50 to 1 isn't the greatest number in the world, but it's just about enough to sort of make me want to chance him this week. you just got to take it if it's something that you like and it's a player that you yeah, like. And like, like you, like I was really, I was keen to back him last week because he had, I, I basically just put everything towards Texas last last week. And so he was he won that, obviously, the Houston Open. He'd, put, he'd played well at the CJ Cup the year before, you know, different course, but it wasn't yeah. a massive difference, I don't think. And he just finished sixth at the Shriners. So all of a sudden, I was all in on, on Lanzo Griffin. And as Jason finds out quite often, he finds someone he really likes and they don't play. So um, <laughs> I know how he feels there. Adam Schenk was the next one for me. 
Um, he was tied 22nd here on debut, which surprised me that he was even played here. Like that just doesn't strike me as mm. someone that would have been in the field. Um, so I was quite pleased with his debut. 18th at the Valspar earlier this year, which I think if that is a link, that's a, a pretty impressive performance there because there are places that he wouldn't have played very often. And he's had three top four finishes on the PJ Tour, and they've all come in his last nine events. So that's like a significant improvement, I think. Um, tied third at the Shriners after leading after 54 holes. Not massively surprised to see him lose that. Um, was a little bit disappointed on the final day, but I think that's to be sort of expected, especially when someone like Sung Jae is doing what he was doing. Um, so given the weaker field compared to the 2019 renewal when he played so well, um, in, in context of things and I just didn't think there'd be a massive surprise if he if he turned up I think there's there's certainly enough about Adam Schenk just just the marked improvement in his game like you're, you're looking at a player that is suddenly someone that can contend in PJ Tour events and he's obviously been a decent player in the past you know playing I think he's won the Corn Ferry and things like that so he's, he's done it but he was fifth in the field over the last eight weeks in strokes gain approach and, and that was enough for me to, to pick him out and the last one I think we that I've come to which I think we're both on uh, Takumi Kanaya I'd be oh, yes. absolutely devastated if Takumi Kanaya won an event of this magnitude uh, exactly. and wasn't on and maybe that blinds me to the fact that it's not the greatest price in the world um, no I was expecting a little bit bigger but I think I was expecting everyone to be a little bit bigger so yeah. that's sort of like I mean, I, I tweeted out yesterday saying that it's going to be a name that you're going to hear a week, and maybe I was exaggerating that a little bit. But Let's hope so. You look at it, and I think, was it seven straight top 16 finishes in Japan? Oh, yes. I know yeah. it's a, a different level, but he's won every year for the last three years on the Japanese tour. One of them mm-hmm. was as an amateur. We know what the upside of him is. I think you're talking about someone closer to Hideki Matsuyama than you are. Ryo Ishikawa is the hope. Um, yeah. between the two not to, not to slight Ishikawa who's coming back himself but he's won that Dunlop Phoenix which is a pretty prestigious, a prestigious yeah. event over there isn't it and I know yeah. it was missing something you know because sometimes you get the Americans over there don't you which make it a little bit tougher and they weren't there this time because of travel you know restrictions but despite that he went and won it like won it on the final day in a playoff I think that's just a, a massive thing like we know now that he can do it at home under pressure on the type of golf course he's need to. He's come yes. over here, top 10 in dividers at Classic. Um, probably, arguably a similar strength field. I know it sounds ridiculous comparing a PJ to European Tour event. I know you've got Morikara and Xander, but you take those three out who can't all finish, you wouldn't have thought, in the top five, um, top six, and all of a sudden, I think 50, 66 to 1, all that sort of prices are decent about Kanai. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people are sort of familiar with Takumi Kanai, yeah. but, you know, like he's, you know, former number one amateur in the world. He's already achieved so much already at such a young age. Like he's tested himself on the PGA Tour, European Tour, Australian Tour, like, and he's only, what, 23? Yeah. So, yeah, he's obviously regularly now playing on the Japanese Tour. And how consistent has he been? Like, stupidly consistent. Um, yeah. Like, how many he's had, How many times he's won this year? Oh, he's won once this year, hasn't he? Yeah, he's won once every year. Yeah, he's a three-time winner now. So, I mean, that's so, so impressive. I mean, the Japanese tour, people don't know. Uh, it's such a... It is a really good standard. It really is like, a very competitive standard. And, um, yeah, I, I do think there's there could be a few... It could possibly... I know you can refer to 2019, but I think it's only getting better. 
and um, I don't know. I, I, I've, I've chanced a lot, a few, maybe too many, uh, from the tour this year. But that's probably because I've got a big invested interest in the tour, maybe where other people don't as well. Maybe that's sort of gone into it. But yeah, going back to Takumi Kanai, I just do think he's quite ready to test himself against the world's best again. He's such a tidy player. And he's got such a high ceiling. So, yeah, I'm happy to chance him this week. I think I think the thing is, well, I think we learned... Well, I, I, I didn't really learn because I wasn't matching this golf then. But uh, Todd Hamilton obviously won the Open Championship after having been electric on the Japanese tour. And I think people started to realise that there was a tour outside of the top two where it is competitive. And I think Kanaya, it, it's almost... You just look at it and you think, oh, he's got four straight top tens. Oh, they're in Japan. It doesn't really count. And it's like, well, no... He's exactly. still got to do it. Like, he's still got to be putting his ball yeah. close to the hole. He's still going to be going up against 100 people that are in form. Like, okay, he hasn't had wins at different levels, and he's 23, but mm. he's 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 lost kind of two years of his life not being able to travel um, and get out on those tours more often. Um, and and you know he's just never he's not quite found a home yet for his golfing you know golfing home if you like. And this time around he's he's just focused on Japan tour, stayed at home, seven straight top 16 finishes, comes in this, probably plays extremely well, I thought, I hope, at the price. Hopefully. And yeah. uh, this will be a big platform for some success. So pretty happy with that. Other guys in this kind of area, Henrik Norlander caught my eye just from just the way he's hitting the ball. Um, yeah. Not really much else. There's not, not too much in it. Robert Streb could carry it on. Tom Hoagie's hitting the ball well. But... Matt Jones was another, but they're just they're just names at this point. Whereas I think yeah, Matt guys, Jones wrote down as well. Matt Jones, yeah, and, and Norlander, yeah. I just thought those guys, but they're just they're just. But there's no real appeal. No, I know what you're saying they're just playing. They're hitting it well and playing well, but yeah, there's not enough for me to really go there. No, they're just they're just another player. Like they're just another person to add to the list if you wanted to find someone like Sepp Stracker. I just put the name in because he played by the Olympics and. Suddenly, if he plays well, you, you look like yeah, a superstar. Yeah, I actually star. looked at him and I was like, oh, I don't know, I haven't noticed how what how he has been playing. I haven't seen him on any leaderboard. So I checked his um, on the ranking site and uh, he was like, miscut, miscut, miscut. I was yeah. like, well, I'm not, not taking you then. No, but no, he was no. someone that's like thinking, yeah. That was it. If, if, if he'd even just made the cut and had a couple of nice rounds in Vegas, that would have been nice. But, um, but Jason, let's come on to a couple of your longer shots in the market. You've been very quiet over there this past 10 minutes or so. Yeah, I, 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 I'm fine this year. Um, just let you know that um, it will happen on most of the others, I would think, certainly Sportsbook, but Skybet already up without the big three. Um, so without Morikawa, Schiffler and Matsuyama. Um, not saying the prices are the greatest in the world, but when you take those three out, the event certainly looks a bit a bit different. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, Brad will have a go at me here, I would imagine, for these two, but for me, they at three figures, they were the most obvious plays and they are Sean Norris and Scott Vincent um, mm. you know multiple winners on this tour but but well, I know they haven't got the improvement or certainly not Norris who's knocking on for 40 now uh, Vincent isn't 30 yet is that they have done they have performed at tight tracks either at Europe or South Africa as well they've yeah. not quite done it on the PGA tour but home advantage you know for me is is very significant here certainly when you take away the top three or, 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 you know, a good, maybe another half a dozen of the rest. And then you really are looking at a sort of level field. Um, Norris is 66 with Skybet and 125 with uh, 365. Um, I haven't looked anywhere else because Oddschecker wasn't, they didn't have Oddschecker when he was put in. 
And I actually asked Tom when he won the Japan Open on Sunday what price he was. He was not in yet or something like that. <laughs> um, but of course, uh, now he is, so it's great. Um, anyway, uh, obviously, he won the Japan Open. He's, he's won two events this year. Um, mm. If you go back to that, that the Japanese major, I suppose, he's got two seconds there as well. But if you go back to um, European uh, and South African form, um, tied 18th in Amman behind Sami Valamek. He was 6th in Abu Dhabi. He was 68-65 weekend. He's got just outside the top 20 in the DP Worlds, which is obviously top grade, uh, top 15 in Qatar. And he's third at Joburg, which I quite like if people want to you know, say that he can't play tight tracks. I, I don't know the Japanese tracks well enough to comment. Mm-hmm. Um, got Vincent. Again, he's won two this year. Was in with the chance, I believe, last Sunday. Um, just, I think he's 72, so, you know, went backwards for a little bit. Um, again, same thing. 2020 was the only year... Uh, sorry, uh, Norris was the only year... 2020 was the only blank year in absolute ages. Obviously, COVID year. Uh, 2020 for Scott Vincent was uh, top 20 in the Alfred Dunhill, type top uh, top 10 in Portugal, top 10 at Hanbury Manor. So low scoring, tight, doesn't matter. Um, I know he's only 16th at the Olympics, uh, but he opened with a 73, so I think he was 50th or something after the first round. Um, in terms of Japanese um, uh, stats, if you like, uh, according to Tour Tips, over the last three months, uh, Vincent is um, fourth in ball striking, third in greens in reg, fifth in putting, and he's tied first in par four performance. And Sean Norris is fifteenth uh, in ball striking, seventh in total putting, twelfth in greens, second in putting average, and tied first in par four performance. So 125 and 100, happy enough. And uh, uh, whatever price they are without, Skybet currently is 41 and 50 at one. I'm uh, very happy. I don't see why they can't continue the form. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing. I don't think you're not expecting them to come into a fully fledged PGA Tour event. If this was a Zozo where it had all the players they had in 2019, where you know we had Woods and we had him and we had Woodland and we had you know all those names in um, in the form that they were in, then then maybe they wouldn't be so appealing. But yeah. the fact that there's kind of just two, three, four kind of superstars, I suppose, um, and then a, a lot of other runs, which is a nice way of putting some of the people in this field. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I just I just think there's great value on both of those. Motiv- sorry, to motivation as well. Motivation yeah. on a non-cut event. You know, I'm sure that some of these PGA players, when they find themselves in 47th on Saturday after, they're not going to give a monkeys. No. Whereas a lot of these home players, and obviously, you know, like, like the likes of Norris and Vince, who have been around for years. They could yeah. change their lives, couldn't they? Yeah. A really good performance could potentially just... You know, and first of all, earn them a nice paycheck. But you know, sort of, you know, sort of could change their career around. If they finish in uh, really high up. You know, that's what I think. It's quite a, a very appealing to take. Like you, Jason. Um, I'm looking at home advantage a lot this week. Some of these players and the way they're playing and performing in the respective tour on the Japanese tour, it's just they're just so appealing. And you, you had Scott Vincent as well, didn't you, Brad? Yeah, Scott Vincent, you know, he's just uh, another player I really like. You know, he pretty much played everywhere during his career. He would probably, like, pop up on any tour and I wouldn't, like, bat an eyelid. It's just, like, standard Scott Vincent, you know, if you see him in a field. Um, but, yeah, he's, most of his success has come in Asia and he's never been a prolific winner by any means. But this year he has turned that around and won twice, you know, in quick succession on the Japanese tour. So... 
he had a great performance at the Olympics where he finished tied 16th in a high-level field. Very comfortable playing in Japan. And again, he's just a great value play. He could like potentially spring a surprise with the form he is in and the, this newfound confidence. You know, I think he's he's worth a, worth a go at 125 to 1. I think the thing about Scott Vincent as well that, that, that I'd like to mention to add to you guys is that he shot a 73 in the opening round of the Olympics, um, which kind of put him way behind the pace. And I know CT Pan did the same and finished with the with a bronze medal, but he shot 67, 66, 67 to so finish 16th there. Um, it was only really, what, three shots outside the top 10. Uh, you know, that was a better field than this on a, on a maybe tougher golf course. We don't really know yet. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I, think that's, um, I think that's a great pick there. Sung Hoon Kang as well. Uh, similar price. Yes, I'm not necessarily Kang's biggest fan, um, but he <laughs> did grab my attention this week. Um, as I said before, like uh, Gavin Green, just take him first round leader because yeah, he he loves a fast start. Um, but yeah, he's in he's in a good run of form. Like, he's been making the cut in his last five events. Has played some golf in Japan in his early years as a pro, but didn't really have much success. Had more success on the Korean tour, his home tour. But yeah, he did, however, play in this event back in 2019, where he finished uh, tied 17th. So yeah, he knows the course, which can only help. And uh, similar to Kyung Hoon Lee, his own PG, his only PGA Tour title was the Byron Nelson, yeah. which he won in 2019. So yeah, he looked pretty big at 125 to one. Yeah, slap a first round leader bet on him, and yeah, hope for the best. Yeah, I think. He was a player that, so I think he started working with George Gankus, who's Matthew Wolf's coach. Um, and this is a trouble. I go for Instagram and I watch people swing and I think, oh, they're really good at golf and, and start backing them. And then I watch that he's working with George Gankus and George Gankus works with Matthew Wolf and suddenly he's going to go on a tear up. So I backed him. I think it was at the Genesis where he'd finished second the year before um, yeah. and he was pretty disappointed and finished 67. And then. I kept trying to find places to back him. I think Byron Nelson came up. I think the Charles Schwab came up. Just yeah. just kept backing him, just blindly, kind of like stupid prices on the exchange. It never really paid off. But then all of a sudden, it just looks like he's gone, what, like five straight made cuts now? Um, yeah. Highlighted by the 15th place at the Wyndham, which is a low, you know, low scoring affair there as well. Back-to-back top 32 finishes, which, okay, in the context of the CJ Cup, is kind of just midway, isn't it? It's not a... It's not a massive performance. We had that second round 64 there. 27 for the Shriners was great. Like It's just one round. I mean, he shot a 61, didn't he? And then followed up with a 73. And that's just that's Quite just it. Kang, isn't it? But also, yeah. that's that's true of pretty much any golfer that shoots a 61 or a 60. Like We see it all the time. Like Robert Streb yeah, sure. and, you know, just Keith Mitchell obviously followed his up. But it's just... It just happens. Like It's so hard to follow it up. We see it so often. So I'm pretty... I'm pretty happy with you to. I'm pretty happy for you to go with it. That's that's up to you. But I'm, I approve <laughs> of the pick. Is what I was trying to get at. Nice. Um, approval. <laughs> the the final pick on your card, Ryosuke yes. Kinoshita. I don't know. If Going, that's right. Yeah, Ryosuke Kinoshita. As I mentioned, I've gone completely overkill on the Japanese men's tour uh, players this week. But yeah, Ryosuke is actually ranked 72nd in the world now yeah. after last week, which is crazy. Um, but, yeah, it kind of like outlines the kind of 2021 he's had like, on the Japanese tour. Um, he's won back-to-back weeks in June, and then since then he's like continued to threaten the top of the leaderboards. 
So again, like all the players I've taken from the Japanese tour, they are speculative. Uh, they are against some of the best players in the world. But what they do have is that they are comfortable competing on home soil. They'll know they'll have played tracks like this before. They might have even played this before. Who knows? Um, they have serious motivation to do well, as one incredible performance over a week could change their lives. And they're all in great form. You know, they're all in great form, albeit the Japanese tour. They are all in good form. So, and this field is weaker than ever. Like this uh, Zozo is weaker than ever. So, you know, stranger things have happened. So yeah, 150 to one. Yeah, Kinoshita is uh, on my card. They would never have come to this event in the, you know, I think a lot of these Japanese golfers will look, and the the Asian golfers in Korea and stuff when the CJ Cup and the CIB and all that goes over that area. They would look at it and go, okay, it's an opportunity. But I think this year it's like a, okay, this is a realistic opportunity to put some points on the board and get a, a PJ Tour card. We talk about Kinoshita here. He, he had those back-to-back weeks in June. Then he missed the cut. But then he went 59th in the Open Championship, which, okay, doesn't scream brilliance, but just to make that cut and then not finish last of the lot is a, is a decent run. 43rd at the FedEx St. Jude. So he had, a, I think he had a really good round. Was it 64, I think, in the second round or 66? Mm. He had a decent second round. Uh, 66, sorry. So he's played well there. And then we talked about Kanaya's form. He had those seven straight top 16 finishes. He's gone 5th, 3rd, 8th, ninth, missed cut 3rd. Like, you can't be in much better form than a couple of wins and those top finishes. So if he has played this golf course, then great. We didn't get a chance to see him at the Olympics because he didn't make the team. But... No. It's just yeah, like like you say, it's just one of those. I genuinely think like we talk about motivational factors, and sometimes I poo-poo them, and a lot of people don't like to believe in them and the nappy facts no, and everything. But I mean, everyone's motivated. I mean, or else why yeah, show up? Exactly but, that. Yeah. But it like I just I just think it is a genuine opportunity this time around. Like, exactly. I think there's probably three or four Japanese players that are going. Do you know what? This is our chance to actually get PJ Talker. Like I could mm-hmm. I could win this week, and they they. They, they probably can't. Like that's why they're two hundred to one or one hundred sixty to one or whatever. But they've only got to finish top five, and then mm-hmm. yeah, I think they can parlay that into another PJ Tour start. And all of a sudden, they're they're rocking and rolling. I think we've seen Kadaira right. do it, yeah. haven't we? And we've seen you know others do it as well. So yeah, I think that's really impressive. There, I think mm-hmm. that's all we've got time for on this podcast. I don't want to go too far into these events before I just start waffling and. And, uh, and and ruin the content that we put out there. They're an off late for that, Tom. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> we love We'd, a waffle. This, this is short for us. So, um, look. Richard Mansell, 40 to 1. Renato Paratori, 50s. Niall Kearney, 66s. And Adrian Sadio, 100 to 1 uh, in the Mallorca Open for me. Um, my Zozo picks were KH Lee and CT Pan. Adam Schenk and Takumi Kanaya. Um, I think I'm going to get talked in some of those long shots that you mentioned as well between the two of you. Um, <laughs> one other bet that's just completely unrelated to anything we've been talking about is the Challenge Tour, which starts tomorrow, so you probably might not hear this in time. Um, but they're they're playing again on the same course, and it's Gerard Arne. I think he's 66 to one. Um, he was eighth on the course last week and has a recent win, so I thought that was a decent price. Um, Jason, if I can get you to summarise your picks for me. Yeah, over at um, the Yorker, uh, Jorge Campillo, uh, Jeff Winter, Nino Batesio, Lucas Beergaard and Adrian Sadier, along with um, Sebastian Garcia Rodriguez, <laughs> first round leader, uh, hopefully somewhere around 90, something like that, it'll be 90, 100, something like that. 
And over at the uh, Zozo, who cares? Um, uh, Sean Norris and uh, Scott Vincent. But keep your eye out for the without. Because at the moment they're 40 and 50, but I think they might get a little bit bigger, hopefully. They will go out. And Brad, just to summarise those picks for us as well. Uh, yep, uh, Mallorca Open, I've gone for Jordan Smith at 28 to 1. Uh, Wilco Nienava at 40 to 1. And then I've gone for three long shots. Uh, Reese Enoch at 200 to 1. Um, Gavin Green at 250 to 1 and Andre Leiser at 250 to 1 and I'm most likely going to put top 20s on those three long shots yep. and I will probably well I'm definitely taking Gavin Green as first round leader and Sebastian Garcia Rodriguez after <laughs> Jason selling, me, <laughs> selling it to me um, and for the Zozo Championship I will be taking Griffin at 50 to 1 and uh, Kyung Hoon Lee at 50 to 1, uh, Takumi Kanaya at 60 to 1, Sung Hoon Kang 125 to 1, Scott Vincent 125 to 1, and Ryosuke Kinoshita at 150 to 1, sorry, and first round leader bet on Kang. I think anyone that can pronounce his name in that kind of accuracy and some does digging that you do on a Japanese tour well, values a bet. Go on, I, rarely, actually... I rarely say him out loud, I'm actually a little bit <laughs> nervous there. <laughs> I was actually going to have that for dinner. <laughs> it's probably, nice so, it's probably something you would eat as well, isn't it? Because I, I wouldn't have it because I'd have a Victoria sponge. But uh, look, that's uh, that's as much as we've got time for, guys. Um, really good show. Really, you know, really enjoyed it. Thank you both for coming on. Uh, just as a thank you to our partners at Manscaped, you can get twenty percent off and free shipping with code LFW twenty at manscaped.com. That's twenty percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code LFW20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Thank you very much, guys, and good luck this week with your bets.